Education is useless without. It's a question we could ponder for a while. But let me give you an answer from an American scholar on the issue, on this very quote. This scholar is Noah Webster. It's very likely we've heard the name before, and it's even more likely we put our hands on something called a dictionary with his name on it. A man who speaks about education, I think, with some expertise in the field. He is still recognized as the father of American scholarship, which is a great word. I'd like to think if I can infuse a thought into, you, into parents and grandparents, I don't want your child just to go to school. I want them to become a scholar. And that's a different pursuit. It doesn't imply that they're experts in any necessarily one field. It means that they've got a good perspective of all of it through the lens of Scripture. Noah Webster, father of American scholarship and education, said this, education is useless without the Bible. He would go on to say in that same quote, the Bible was America's basic textbook in all fields. God's Word contained in the Bible has furnished all the necessary rules to direct our conduct or our lives. That was a mindset not unique to this scholar himself, but it was very much common in the generation in which he lived, the generation of the pre-war of independence and the generation of the post-war of independence. And it's evident very much so in the books in which we find in education of those time periods that all had a biblical basis to them. The first one, called the New England Primer, is the way we'd properly pronounce that. The New England Primer was published in 1690. And it was a book intended to lay all the foundational knowledge a child needed to learn not just in their mechanics of language, reading and writing, but in their foundation of character in the truths of God's Word. And this book influenced generations. Think about 1690. For nearly 100 years, this was an influential book in American education of the time, used across much of our landscape. Noah Webster himself, in 1784, would publish this book, the American Spelling Book, often referred to as the Blueback Speller because of its blue cover. This book would influence a generation after generation after generation in the language of American English. And Noah Webster, of course, would use this as the foundation for his own publishing of the American Dictionary, which still today bears his name. And this book, too, had stories in it, lessons, where biblical truth was integrated. As a child was learning the language, they were learning biblical truth. The next generation of educators would come along, and in the expression of William McGuffey, first published a series of books called the McGuffey Readers, first published in 1836. The McGuffey Readers are still in print today. William McGuffey was an educator in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there was a need for more textbooks. As America, the young nation, was growing, 
and expanding. There was a call for more textbooks. And William McGuffey was approached by a publisher who said, you're an outstanding, recognized educator. Would you write this series of books for us and edit them? He agreed, but his one stipulation was, it has to have biblical truth integrated in it. And throughout this series, and it is a series of books, those types of biblical truths, again, are integrated into the stories. Stories about creation, stories about the Bible, stories about Christ, stories about the necessity of coming to salvation. Those realities were integrated into the textbooks of generations. And from 1836 until about 1925, this was the dominant material that was found in all American curriculum. Abraham Lincoln would call uh, William McGuffey the schoolmaster of our nation because of his influence upon uh, the multitudes of people in our land and the generations that grew up under the teaching recorded in these books. Sad to say today what we've seen is not just a diminishing of the Christian truth and the biblical truth found in the textbooks of our land, but a denial. It's gone completely the other way now. Our textbooks would be mocked by the generation that founded this nation. And we would be scorned, and appropriately so, for allowing such things to be taught to our children. Because the reality of education is more than just learning the academics. It's about character building. It's about relationship building, beginning first with God. And that's a necessity no parent can rightfully deny their child, the opportunity to understand who God is. The importance of this application is found in the need for a school system and the way it works, built upon principles of the truth and an understanding. Remember, it is not the school system's responsibility to educate your child. It is your responsibility as parents. You make the decision your child will go to this school or that school, but it is your responsibility to make that decision and make it rightly before the Lord and within your own conscience of you and your husband or wife. Here are the reasons for that, as the Bible says. Thou shalt teach them, this is Deuteronomy, God's commandments. You shall teach them. Who's he speaking to? The parents and the grandparents. You'll see that obvious. You shall teach them diligently, purposefully, intentionally, unto thy children and shall talk of them when they're at school from 8 o'clock to 3 o'clock. No. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and, and rest and when you rise up in the mornings. The principles and truths of God's word should naturally flow into the conversation. It is a poor understanding of the intent of biblical truth to be put into the heart of a child to say, well, they go to Sunday school, they go to Bible camp, those are nice things, but if you're pushing that responsibility off to them, I think the technical word is lazy. You're telling someone else, you take that little bit of time and I'll not worry with it. No, parents, step up to the plate. God says, teach them to your children. Teach the principles of God's word all throughout your day, at the dinner table. On the way in the car from point A to point B, don't be lazy about it because your child's life, their spiritual life, their eternal life may well hinge on the very conversations you will build in that relationship. When your son asks thee in time to come, your son will ask, Dad, where did everything come from? 
Mom, why are we here? Dad, is there really any purpose to life? Your son, your daughter will ask. What's going to be your response? When your children ask in their fathers in time to come, this is Joshua speaking to the adults in, in the nation of Israel. Your children will ask. They will ask. They ask some great questions. They ask some important questions. And they ask questions we need to be ready to respond to with a biblical answer. Proverbs reminds us, of first familiar to many of us, I'm sure, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Biblical principles are to be integrated in life, not just stuffed in a Sunday school curriculum or a children's program or a summer camp. Those should enhance what's happening at home, not substitute what's happening at home. And so step up, be aware of that. Ephesians will say it this way, directly implicating the necessity of fathers. You fathers, bring them, your children, up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord. The nurturing and growing impact of God's word to help them understand who they are, who they're growing to be, what, what God intends for their life. And the admonition to recognize God in his rightful place as king, as we sang about this morning as Lord and Savior, as the one who has sent his son to redeem us. It's the responsibility of the parents, and particularly of the fathers, to take that role and the impact that it has upon them. Why? Because the fear of the Lord, as Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the foundation. Sad to say what we're seeing are generations with no foundation to their life. Without the foundation, all they're left to is self-desire and self-lust. All they're left to is the influence of the culture and of the world. The world is not our friend in education. Book of James, I mean, as we're going through it as a church body, many of us in the Bible study fellowships, Book of James even reminds us, friendship with the world is being an enemy of God. For the, world is an, the world's culture is an enemy to God and the things of God. Culture is not your friend. The music of pop and country and everything that floods our airwaves are not the friends of Christian families. Disney is not your friend. You've got to recognize who the enemy is. And the enemy's intent is to go after the most vulnerable ones among us, the children. We do well to stand firmly upon the foundations of God's truth to build a home where children can be successful and children can see the reality of what it means to follow the true and living God through Jesus Christ. That foundation has to be set, and it begins with the knowledge. The knowledge of the Lord. Look at the rest of it, though. It's fools. Fools will despise wisdom, such wisdom and instructions, the idea. Oh, there's still plenty of fools out there. They mock the Bible. They denigrate Christianity. They are quick to promote their agenda that is very unbiblical. And the Bible simply has one word for them, they are fools. Let us not be guilty of following the path of the fool. And while we're following the path of the fool, holding our child to bring them with us. The world is not our friend. It offers nothing to us of any eternal value and nothing of temporal value. That's why education is a family affair. 
If you have a weekly announcement there with you, if you turn it over, you will find on the back something I put at the bottom. Education, a family affair. So parents, this is your homework assignment. I take this from a book I note at the bottom of that called Top of the Class. This book came out in 2005. I became a college professor in 2004 in education. And this book early got caught, uh, caught my attention early as it was sort of making its, its uh, presence known in the circle of education. And I read it with great interest. It's a story of two sisters. These two sisters came to America as immigrants from South Korea. Their family came over speaking no English whatsoever. But as parents, they were committed to their children's success in America and in education. Years later, these two daughters will join together to write this book. And when they write this book, one is a lawyer and one is a brain surgeon. I'd say they were reasonably successful, at least in the professional aspect. And I read this book with, with great interest, and I would encourage you to read it. It's not a Christian book, though. It just tells these two girls, these two ladies, tell their story of growing up in the home and what their parents did to see them succeed at school. I've taken that list and expanded it because it needs, it needs to have a Christian infusion of thought. Many of these things are somewhat self-explanatory. Prioritize church. It has to begin there. The importance of biblical truth and the traps of the culture. I could spend half an hour with each of these, but we'll, we'll delay that opportunity. Instill a biblical view for learning and education. Some of the verses we've looked at. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman, right? Which can do right before the Lord. That's in the Bible. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all the glory of God. What a great verse for young people. Strive to succeed and accomplish what you do for God's glory. I'm, I made note of reality, truth, and wisdom. We live in a world today dominated by terms we've all heard. Virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial reality, and it's blurred our understanding of reality. Do you realize there's a greater reality than just the reality of the here and now? Because there's a reality of there, in God's presence. That's the ultimate reality. Truth which, which, and wisdom, which are such great virtues, biblically. The Bible speaks of them very often and very important. Look down number eight. I won't take the time to go through all of them. I'm sorry, number seven. Cultivate a respect for manners, elders, and authority. That's missing in our culture today. We've seen a generation and the results of what happens with that. It is still a good thing to have your children say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am, along with the understanding of manners and that go with our culture. Play an active role in your child's education. Active. I spent a lot of years as a classroom teacher and several years as a secondary principal. And the one frustration, the biggest frustration I always had as a secondary principal was never seeing a child's parents until the day they graduated. You should be there at the school, introducing yourself, making yourself available to those teachers who are investing their lives and their energy in your child. I wanted them to know my name. I wanted them to know I support them. 
I want, to know, I want them to know that relationship is always open when there's an issue they need to address. I remember a story as a principal when we had to deal with a discipline issue with a young lady, high school. Called her mother in, explained to her the situation, what we intended to do, and what I was asking her to do as a parent. That's where she stopped the conversation and said, wait, when she's here, she's your problem. When she's at home, she's my problem. That conversation took a little bit of a different twist from that point forward. Because I reminded her, this is not a you and us. This, uh, your side and my side. It's both of us working together. And that should be the intent of every parent, to realize you're in partnership with your school to help see your child do the best. You're in partnership with this church and the teachers that are diligently investing themselves in the spiritual growth of your child. You're in partnership to see this succeed. Play an active role in your child's education at school and at church. Identify and develop your child's individual talents, learning styles, and thinking skills, and love languages. I put down there too. Do you know what your children's love language is? If you do not, let me send you to Dr. Gary Chapman in his book, The Five Love Languages. And then go to the next book, The Five Love Languages of Children, The Five Love Languages of Teens so that you will understand some great insight and have great respect for Dr. Chapman. I had an opportunity to meet him a time or two and talk to him. He has a great insight from the Lord about this model, and it works well. Have it in your arsenal of understanding your child. Multiple intelligences. I like the model of multiple intelligences. There are nine different ways of being smart. Did you know that? There's nine different ways of being smart. What are, what are the strengths of your children and your grandchildren? Go do a little research. You can go on the web. You don't have to read the book. Go on the web and do a little bit of this research and find out, what. hey, that's, that's my child right there. I'll know more about them. Grit. That's a great term that's come to education in the last bunch of years by an educator, uh, educational psychologist, Dr. Angela Duckworth. And I greatly appreciate the work of Dr. Duckworth, and, and the book Grit that she wrote is phenomenal. But again, you don't have to read the book to understand what does it mean, what's the What's the drive that makes students succeed? Passion and perseverance. You'll find some YouTube videos, even from my Dr. Duckworth, that I think are well worth viewing to help understand a little bit of that issue of grit. What is it about a, what makes a child work hard? I mentioned the five love languages, Dr. Gary Chapman, who's a, who's a, who served for, maybe still serves for many years. Last time I talked to him, he was still doing some of this uh, at, uh, at a Baptist church in Winston-Salem, serving on their pastoral staff, along with his writing in counseling and radio ministries. And then The Way They Learn by Cynthia Tobias. This is also a Christian book. She identifies four different ways children learn and the distinctives that can help your child in that learning style to succeed. So I'd highly recommend you do a little research and pursue some of those. As you go down the list, you see there, teach number 11, teach the value of academic success over social status or popularity. I think that's a, that's a great point to make. Number 15, value extracurricular activities and healthy competition. Value it. But understand the, 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 the trap that can also be there. Because you can overload that bucket, right? You can overload that idea of let's, let's be involved in extracurriculars. Let's do this and let's go from that to this. Let me tell you what the research says. I've been saying this uh, as I've spoken at education conferences for many years. The research has said for probably 20 plus years now that the maximum number of hours per week for any child to be involved in extracurricular activities is 20. 
20. Let me give you that number, and then parents go home sometime this week and have the conversation and get out the piece of paper and figure out. 20 hours beyond school becomes a breaking point. So that's where you've got to make some priority decisions. We're never going to give this up. This maybe. Uh, we need to get rid of that. That's really not that's very important. So I'll put that number out for you as a resource. Number 17, emphasize America is a great land of opportunity. It speaks for itself, but it needs to be heard. Number 19, intentionally monitor and limit their digital and media life intentionally. That's an increasingly hard challenge, no doubt. But make it a priority and get some direction and guidance in a situation. Emphasize thinking skills over emotions and over actions. One of the most famous questions parents and educators like to ask is, what were you thinking? You know what the most common response was? I don't know. <laughs> right? How many things, how many problems could be solved if you just teach children to think before they act? Somewhere we've all heard our grandmother echo that thought in our brain, right? Think before you act. So there's your homework. Sit down and read through this list. Think about how it impacts your family. Think about what it will mean as you go into a new school year and are setting new schedules and establishing new routines and putting in place new habits to make this a successful year. But keep your priorities biblical. The responsibility is yours as parents. Need I say it again? When your child fails, you fail. That may sound hard at first, but think about it for a moment. You're the one who's going to be there supporting them and guiding them giving them some suggestions. I don't know the answer, but we'll find somebody who's got the answer. We are quick to go to experts for everything. We'll go to an expert to fix a car. I got a pain over here. I get an expert to fix that. Uh, something's leaking, let me call a plumber. I'll get an expert. But for some reason, we are not so quick to find some help when it's for our children. The most important resource and asset God has given to us and responsibility God has given to us. So find some help. I'm glad to direct you. We've got a lot of teachers here who would be glad to help a child if they're struggling with something, and maybe we can help you in some way. We'd be glad to do that. We want to partner with you as a church, as we've often said. To close our service, we've often, I, won't, I can't say always, because COVID interrupted our routine for a while, but for the most part, we have always had a special prayer time to close, and I want to do that again today. So here's what I'm going to ask, and it's going to be a little moving around, so we'll, we'll take just a moment to do that as we close. But uh, we want to get our young people up here, right? So here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to start with the oldest first. Um, let's, let's get our young people up here who are college and high school age. Okay, if you stood up a moment ago, the responsibility is on you, right? So parents, nudge me if you have to. But somebody make the first move, and let's get our college and high school age young people uh, down here, if you will, first. Yeah, once you get a few of them going, the rest of them are primed to go. What a great group. Get on up close, I, you know. Get on up. You're, you're good. You have to come up on steps if you don't want to. That's fine. We're gonna, we may get you up there in a minute. We'll see how our numbers go. All right, good deal. College and high school. Middle school age. You're next. We're going to work our way down the ladder here. Middle school. All right, now we need, need y'all to be conscious of we're way overloaded over here. 
the church will start tilting soon if you don't hurry up move. So let's get some of y'all to move this direction and sort of even up things. Okay, keep going. We got folks. Well, this is great to have, uh, have this many. Keep going. Simon says go right two steps, three steps. Okay. All right, good deal. Elementary, you're next. While they're coming, I want all of you to take one step up. Simon says, right? Elementary, I want you to just kind of come in and get behind them a little bit. Spread out. Now, I want you all to think about it. We don't always see this group here because many times they're in other events related to our church ministry here, so we're there. Okay, elementary, come on, scoot, scoot on down, y'all. Scoot on down around here. Okay, now here's on everybody who's standing up here. Everybody standing up here, turn around and face the audience or the congregation, right? And let me give you a moment just to catch your breath. <laughs> right here is our future, isn't it? Right, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> Young people don't look this way. Keep looking, but I want you to hear me and hear me well. Every applause is multiplied a million times in the heart of each parent and each grandparent in this church because we love you and we want to see you succeed. We want to see you know and follow the Lord's will in your life. And we want you to implement biblical truth in your life as you're learning here and hopefully at home that will help you to do that. This group, however, does not stand in and of themselves. All right, so young people, I'm going to ask you to turn back around and face me. Y'all are very good at this. Congratulations. Now, well, if, you, if you're a parent here today of one of these beautiful young people, I want you to come forward. This is not an optional event, by the way. This is required. And I want you to find your young person and squeeze in if you have to and put a hand on their shoulder. Yeah, young people, y'all can look this way. You're fine. Parents are working their way up. And it is great, it's great to have, to squeeze some people in to make this happen. We're pretty full up here, aren't we? That's great. Now, the rest of the church, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to back up because I want the young people to all see me well. Young people, look at me and listen. Right now, your parents are behind you. They love you, they support you, they want the absolute best for you. Let me say this too, your church is behind your parents. And we also love you and support you and want to see you do well. So the prayer that we're going to have, while you have one hand or two hands on your shoulders, understand that that's, that's multiplied by many times out in this congregation. And we want you to have a great school year. We want you to grow and mature and do all the things that we talked about with Jesus. We want you to grow physically. We want you to grow mentally and socially. And yes, we want you to grow spiritually. So keep that in mind as we pray. And as you set your sights for this new school year, make it a school year of great results because you have committed yourself to the Lord. So all join me in prayer, and this will dismiss our service today, and, uh, and, and we'll cherish together this moment and rejoice in the outcome of what's ahead. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today acknowledging your word has principles and truth. It has a foundation upon which every life 
can be built. And today, we address this issue of education. Our culture is confused about it. Our culture is misguided about it and misprioritized about it. But we today, as Christians, have no reason to be confused or to be misguided because we have your word. And it teaches us plainly to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It teaches us plainly that the foundation of life is built upon knowing who you are. And it teaches us plainly the responsibility of parents to invest themselves and their energies in the lives of their children. It tells us what we need to know. Help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see what it teaches us so plainly. And I pray for each one of these young people here today. I pray that you'll keep them safe this year. Many will walk into new schools. They'll make new friends. May you guide every step of that new adventure. May you bless those as they attend public school or Christian school, home school. May they all know your direction and your guidance. And may parents see clearly the responsibility put on them to make important decisions. And may that decision begin with a commitment to you and to your word and to this church as we seek to partner with them for the success of their children as they grow and mature to be the young people that not only you will bless, but that you will use. Indeed, it is our future, and we are, we are the worst of all blindness to acknowledge that um, you are not interested in seeing the success of these young people. And I pray that you will bless each family, hedge them about, give them wisdom beyond their, their selves. May the parents know your direction and guidance. And I pray that we will see your hand of blessing multiplied many times over in the lives of these families and of these children. And as we leave here today, we do so with a renewed commitment to follow you and all we accomplish for your glory. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Lord bless everyone. You're dismissed. Have a great day. And young people, have a great start of your